0: This is Episode 50.
1: You're listening to the All Hazards Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes to give you exclusive access to emergency managers who've been on the front lines of some of the nation's most difficult challenges. Where we have candid conversations about the challenges facing all emergency managers, no matter how big or small the community. Here's your host, Sean Boyd.
0: We're back in the saddle after a very busy month of intense wildfires around the state and six weeks of R&R for me after I had shoulder surgery. Yeah, the joys of putting on mileage. So we have a pretty cool guest today. You might have heard about the contingent of fire crews from New Zealand and Australia who came to help California fight the many wildfires ravaging the state. Well, we caught up with a chief from New Zealand. He talked with us in between fueling his vehicle And setting up his tent at the incident command post in Modoc County. He was so gracious and generous with his time. As you might imagine, there are some similarities but even more differences in fighting fires in California and New Zealand. And being part of an international mutual aid team can be very demanding. It's a conversation that's not only insightful and educational, it's also interesting and at times pretty funny. We talk with Chief Craig Cottrell from Wellington Chatham Islands Fire and Emergency in New Zealand right now. Okay, after a long drive from Sacramento up here to just outside of Alturas, California, and I'm here with Chief Craig Cottrell, who is from Wellington, New Zealand, along with uh, his team and uh, members from New Zealand. Uh, Craig, thanks for being with us. You're here for a very good reason. You're here to help out with the, the Stone Fire up here in Modoc County. How's it going so far?
1: So far, great. You know, um, we, we left the Mendocino complex, which is, you know, Ten times as big, the fire, and um, probably by the look of it, there was three or four times as many people there. So, you know, this is a little smaller, friendlier fire, and uh, we've checked in. We're just setting up our camp, and um, we'll be straight into it tomorrow. All right. Why did they move you from uh, the Mendocino complex to this one? What happened there was uh, we went away for a few days' rest, and um, um, when we came back, they didn't need as many overheads as they had before.
0: All right. Well, that's good. That That's a good thing. Uh, obviously, they're getting a big, uh, better handle on the Mendocino Complex. And this stone fire, from where we are, you can't really see a whole lot. There's a lot of dust in the air right now, in large part because of the wind. But uh, let's go back a little bit.
1: Let's talk a little bit
0: about when you arrived on American soil. When did that happen?
1: Yeah, I mean, all the days have blurred into one. That's why I've got my diary out to have a look. <laughs> look, I think we've been here for... Um, uh, around three weeks and we um, we, fl- we flew into Boise um, and we had a few days there uh, customizing and uh, getting used to how things are done over here and getting our gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we um, traveled up to um, Ukiah and uh, we were on the Mendocino fire for uh, about 13 days before we went away to have a couple of days rest. Yeah, well-earned
0: rest, I'm sure. Uh, it's a long flight coming from New Zealand to uh, the coast of California and then so you had a couple of days rest in in uh, Idaho you said and what have you been doing so far? What has your role been uh, with regard to
1: this international mutual aid effort? Yeah, so I'm a task force leader. Um, so um, on the Ranch Fire, they had me. Uh, my task sort of uh, changed as I moved across three different divisions. But to start off with, um, I was looking after uh, three or four single engines and um, an army crew of around uh, 60, uh keen young army men Mm -hmm. and um, we were working on mopping up um, one of the sides just working slightly in behind the firing operation. Uh, Then we moved down into um, Delta and um, again I had um, five single engines there so we're you know just like a a normal task force Mm -hmm. and um, we were helping there with with holding the back burning um, also, we had a, a, a couple of spot fires in that division as well, so we had to get the, uh, the crews to move pretty quickly to do that. Right. When did you get the, uh, the request? To yeah, go- well, that all happened very quickly, you know. Um, I was uh, unwell and at home in bed on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday I thought, oh, should I go to work? And uh, I had to come in and interview... Um, uh, some uh, firefighter for uh, assistant area manager position and I uh, thought oh well while I'm doing this I'll pop into work and um, I saw there was a request for um, some some assistance over here in America and that made me feel um, well all of a sudden um, <laughs> I actually um, emailed my manager and said that um, one of the chaps that worked for me Glenn um, should 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 go on the list to come over and um, uh, unfortunately, he didn't really have enough operational experience, so I ended up sort of making the list myself, and um, so on Monday, on Tuesday, I told yeah, you, you're, you're most probably going. Um, Wednesday morning, yes, you're definitely going, but we don't <laughs> know when you're flying out. Um, Wednesday night, oh, around nine o'clock at night, got a text, uh, uh, got an email with my flights for Thursday, first flight at one thirty in the afternoon, so it was all a bit of a rush, really. Um, You know, that feeling of excitement, uh, what's going to happen, you know, the unknown. And yeah, so it was about a 13 hour flight um, from Auckland to um, LA, and then a couple more flights we flew from, L.A. to Salt Lake City, from Salt Lake City to Boise. So you really needed that resting period, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, when we were initially told we were going to have two or three days in, in Boise, I thought, you know, what's that all about? Um, and, you yeah, I became very familiar with my hotel bed as we tried to adjust <laughs> to this time frame. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing worse than trying to fight a fire when you've got jet lag, right? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> but, um, you know, once we got into the Mendocino swing of things, you know, up at 0600 and then back into bed most nights about... Eleven o'clock at night. The the thirteen days just all blurred into one.
0: Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. So tell me about the the young men who are with you now.
1: What, tell me about your team. Okay, so we've come over here to the um, the stone fire with. Um, there's um, seven of us. So there is um, there's three task force leaders. Um, there's a couple of. Um, air ops or helicopter managers and um, there's a couple of div suits but you know our attitude is we'll fit in wherever we can and do whatever we whatever we can to to assist with this fire so you know the div suits might end up as task force leaders or the you know they might end up looking after some bulldozers that's what um the ops manager told me he said hey you're most probably gonna be looking after some bulldozers tomorrow as a heavy equipment boss and i said yeah just keen as to get out there on the fire and Mm -hmm. and do our bit to help we appreciate you being here for sure
0: coming up chief control talking about some of the similarities and the differences between wildfires and environmental factors back home and what they've experienced here.
1: You know to start off with it was actually hard to stand back and watch it burning back down the hill. Different fuels
0: and how they view pine trees as weeds. Yeah and Wellington's wildland and urban interface. Tell me about the similarities uh, between your job back home and what you've experienced so far here.
1: Yeah, I mean, the similarities are is that, um, you know our fire burns and we put water on it to put it out. Lots of um, it too, I bet. Yeah, lots of water. Like I was saying to you earlier, um, we don't use um, fire to fight fire as much as they do in, um, here in America, and that's been a massive learning experience. In fact, you know, to start off with, it was actually hard to stand back and watch it burning back down the hill. You know, our inclination is to want to grab a hose and, and squirt some water on it or a radio for a helicopter. Yeah. Um, and I think the difference there is our fires are a lot smaller so, um, you know, we can get to them and smash them out as quickly as we can um, with the helicopters mm-hmm. and, or, and or ground crews. But, um, you know, nobody in New Zealand has been to a 360-acre fire like the Ranch Fire.
0: Um, yeah, that's insane, isn't it, to think about that?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. But, you know, I think what I've had to do is we just um, take what we know and multiply it by 100 and, um, we don't have the exact same fuels as you, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, your timber is kind of like our plantation forestry. In fact, that's that's quite interesting. Um, in my former role, I worked for a, a local council and... Um, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars eradicating pine from our um, our native forests oh. because they're, they're a weed, you know, they're an yeah. introduced species. So yeah. we've got to look at them in a totally different way here <laughs> and certainly not say anything rude about the native pines. <laughs> <laughs> and oak, you know, uh, oh, oak yeah. is an ornamental tree in New Zealand, normally planted down... Um, Streets, or you know, the odd one pepper potted around, but yeah. to see them like you have them over here is, is really quite amazing. It's everywhere.
0: I know it is everywhere. My property back home is like that. It, it's it's everywhere, uh, and, and they go up like kindling.
1: Yeah, they certainly do.
0: Yeah, they do. So uh, now, New Zealand for those folks who don't understand, uh, especially in the Wellington area, describe what the environment is like there?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, New Zealand is a small group of islands, really, so um, our weather patterns are affected by the ocean, um, and and it's relatively damp compared to, um, you know, where we are now. You know, um, if New Zealand farmers had a drought like this, they'd just be walking off their land. Um, We never get this dry. Our humidity doesn't get down as low as you, and our temperature doesn't get as high. But yeah, around Wellington, um, there's been a lot of um, land that's been cleared. So um, when the English came out to New Zealand, they brought gorse with them, which um, they plant as um, fences in England. But in New Zealand, it's just taken off and covered a lot of our hills. And so land that's been cleared um, there's quite a bit of gorse around New Zealand, and gorse burns really well. Um, fortunately, through um, fire control and um, ecological restoration, uh, um, the native is coming back around Wellington, and it doesn't burn as well as the gorse, so that's quite a well, good that's thing. that's good, for sure, for but sure. There's a, And around Wellington, there's a lot of interface, so there's a lot of um, houses in wooded and bushed, bushy areas. But, um, Talking about a different type of firefighting is we have a lot of urban trucks based in Wellington and we always say we can get a big red to a scrub fire in Wellington, you know, within 15 minutes. Mm. In fact, you know, we can get half a dozen of them and that's, that's how we can stomp on them quickly because we get to them quickly. Whereas, you know, you might have a fire out here, um, you know, it mightn't even be reported for a while and um, when it is reported, it, you know, there's a fair distance to get the resources there. And it's already gotten a foothold. Oh yeah, and as you, you know, we say a fire doubles in intensity for every minute you leave it there. And um, you know, these fires here could have been going, burning for quite some time.
0: Yeah. When you are going to put the wet stuff on the red stuff back in New Zealand, uh, you said you can get there rather quickly with one of the big reds. Have you ever had the kind of wildfires, maybe not necessarily as large as these, but have you ever had a wildfire that went a lot longer than you had hoped or expected?
1: Yeah, we did. Um, and not this, but last summer, we had the Port Hills fire, which burns for quite, quite a few months. And hmm. um, you know, it was hot and dry. Um, And fine fuels, so the rate of spread was really fast, and a couple of fires joined to become one. And, you know, some of you American listeners might giggle when I say, you know, we had up to 20 helicopters on that fire, Um, but, you know, the fire, you know, it wasn't even 2,000 um, hectares by the time it had finished, but um, it was quite a costly fire because of all the helicopters, but, you know, in size and resource, um, it would just be a division of this of, of one of these big fires you have over here.
0: Did you have a, a lot of residents or businesses in and around that fire?
1: Yeah, we lost a we lost a small number of houses okay. um, during that fire. But and the big thing is, you hit it with the aerial support, right? Oh, absolutely, and, straight away. Yeah. Um, you know we. They say in New Zealand we have the highest number of helicopters per head of population in the world. There's virtually one on every street corner. Oh, that's a bit of an exaggeration, (laughs) but seriously, if you go to Queenstown, um, you know, there's just a string of helicopters taking um, tourists Mm. on tiki tours around the hills there. The challenges of being international mutual aid are many. So you know, we're in a different hemisphere, so I don't know if you've noticed, but your son's in the the wrong place at 12 o'clock. From
0: the technologies, to the verbiage, to how the fires are actually different here. Coming up, he talks about their different strategies and how they use drones and other aerial assets. We have talked a little bit about the similarities and the differences. Uh, what about strategies besides the helicopters? And, and besides the backburning, you said you don't do a lot of the backburning there, but what else has been sort of foreign to you?
1: Yeah, very, very little um, backburning. I mean, we talk about direct and indirect indir- attack, and most of our attack is direct. Because our, our fires, um, the fire behavior is not as extreme as you get here, so we can get close to them generally. You know, we go in, a lot of our fires start on the side of the road, either... <laughs> You know, the three causes of fire in New Zealand are usually men, women and children. Um, And so they've started on the side of the road. It might have been, you know, I can think of one was uh, recently a tractor had been mowing, it was mowing the road verge, it was quite dry. It started on the side of the road. And so yeah, we go in at the base up around the flanks and try and pinch out the head. the old saying is helicopters don't put out fires, they certainly slow it down and then we just go through and um, because because we can, we'll mop up the entire fire. We'll go over it with a heat wand or a heat sensor and some of these smaller fires and, and mop the whole thing up. Um, some of our bigger fires, the strategy we might use, I had a... Um, two and a half thousand hectare fire out on a island 700 kilometres east of um, Wellington this summer and it was a new concept to me but we just went around the outside looking for hotspots um, simply because the, it was hard to get around. Um, the helicopters are flying four hours over water to get there so we wanted to make sure that we um, used them you know, for the most um, efficient manner and then we sent them back. Um, Flew a bit of a drone. We, we actually flew a drone around the outside looking for the hot spots yeah. t- towards the end. Well, let's talk about that.
0: You are using drones. What about other uh, technologies? Do you use technologies there that we don't
1: use here or maybe use less of? No, look, I mean, uh, we, came, we came over here to learn, um, to assist, learn, and take some photos, and... Um, hmm. You guys really lead the world in firefighting, I would say, um, and use of technology um, and strategy. Um, We've adopted many things that we bring back from over here and, and Canada as well. We've got crews in Canada at the moment, but yeah, events and mapping, we've just started using that over the last two or three seasons. Um, and, and because I'm in a management position back there, you know, I could go back and I guess affect a bit of change, but you know, really good use of cloud-based um, storage here for the IAPs and the maps, we're just actually you know, um, sending them between a the computer and the, and the handheld devices using mm-hmm. Send it or um, iPhone to iPhone.
0: Yeah, right, right. What is it you plan to bring back Now, have you come across anything?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just a combination of a whole lot of little things and uh, simple things like the way you um, scan the radio channels and um, set a priority. Um, Our sector bosses would typically... um, carry two radios one on tactical and one on command and I mean in fact I've been to fires where I've had um, you know three radios a ground to air a tactical and a command but you know I think um, one thing I'll definitely implement when I get back is the use of a single radio that scans and um, it's so much simpler.
0: Having come such a far distance tell me about the challenges as being part of this international mutual aid team.
1: I guess the challenge is um, st- straight up was um, familiarity with the environment. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm in Wellington. I'm working in an environment that I know, like, the back of my hand. And I know which way north is and south. I mean, here, I, I've had to have a look at a compass or a map all the time. So, you know, we're in a different hemisphere. So, I don't know if you've noticed, but your son's in the, in the wrong place at <laughs> 12 o'clock. <laughs> Even standing on your hands and (laughs) knees and looking backwards doesn't make any difference. Um, And then your terminology um, is a bit different. Um, You know, little things like um, uh, the nozzle that you put at the end of the hose line, uh, we call that a branch, and then obviously branch is um, a position here in the IMT. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just the, the, the words that you use on the radio, but I mean honestly about after a couple of days you kind of pick it up and um, you're almost tempted to put on American accent so you really fit in. You mean take away the New Zealand accent. That's what you're talking about, for real. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you, you, you always save that, ac- that accent for when you're talking to the ladies later on. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, I hope my wife's not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't play it for her. I won't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, have to, uh, I have to fess up right now. Now, granted, New Zealand and Australia are two different countries, but my Waze app has the Australian lady accent?
1: All uh-huh, right, uh, yeah,
0: had to do it. There is something sexy about a foreign accent.
1: Yeah, no, well, there yeah. are. Uh, we've got a couple of Australian ladies with us over here. So yeah. you know, if you get back to the Mendocino complex, you might meet them.
0: <laughs> don't tell my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, tell this
1: one wasn't worth listening to. No, exactly, she doesn't <laughs> listen to me.
0: She's beyond this. She doesn't <laughs> care what I do anymore. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah. yeah so, uh, so when you work in the environment. It's this immersive environment. It's like when you want to learn a foreign language, you immerse yourself into the culture, and you eventually just sort of pick it up through osmosis. On the radio, it's got to be challenging, at times frustrating. Are you with...
1: Uh, American firefighters who can help uh, translate for you, so to speak? Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, what I didn't tell you before was um, for three days, I actually had a um, trainee task force leader with me. And Mm -hmm. um, so it was a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, Tom got to have me there as his trainer, which um, allowed him to finish his task book and um, got him to have a go again at being a ta- task force leader and and then I got to ask him all sorts of questions about you know how things work here and yeah I, over those Over the first five days, I asked hundreds of of questions. Um, You know, I was lucky that I got asked a lot of questions about New Zealand as well, so I could sort of repay that gratitude.
0: Finally, Chief Control talks leadership that works for him and about their experience here so far.
1: Just the American public have made us feel so valued.
0: And after spending 12 hours or more a day on the fire lines, there's one very important question that needed to be answered. Foster's or Budweiser? Ooh, those burning questions and more right now. What kind of things have you brought that has received positive reception to some of the American teams? Have, have you said, hey, maybe you should try doing it this way? Or
1: Yeah, look, I haven't really done that in okay. the sense that... Um, You know, the reputation of all the Australian and New Zealand firefighters is held in each one of our hands, and I think it's really up to us to to fit in here with your systems and um, not start any sentences with, oh, back in New Zealand slash back in Australia, Um, you know, um, because, you know, we're, we're fulfilling some pretty important roles over here, so, you know, we just need to fit in. I mean, obviously, I've bought you know the style that I use to um, to manage my people back in Wellington and I like to walk around and get out on the fire ground and mm-hmm. and, and and show them that I can walk up and down the line um, and, you know and I make a point of um, you know having face-to-face contact with each and in, each individual firefighter just to make them feel valued and make you know they the, like I've always said to staff that work for me is you know you're the most important people in this organization if you don't turn up to work tomorrow someone's going to notice because something's not been done but if I don't turn up to work tomorrow, uh, people won't even notice. So yeah, people pushing the hose, holding the hose—you know—they are the most important people in this in mm. this big machine. Eh?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's a question for you, and I, and I and I know you're New Zealand, not Australia, but I have to ask you this: Foster's or Budweiser?
1: Ooh, I, I mean, America—the right answer to that is Budweiser. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would say Foster's. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, look, we we look, we. I actually haven't had a, a lot of beer since I've been here. It's the focus has been been work. Um, did have some eight oh five, I think, oh, in yeah. um, in Roseville.
0: Yeah, that, yeah. that,
1: that was good mm-hmm. from Santa Barbara. Mm. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, the most important thing to beer is cold here. Oh yeah. I mean, when they say what can I get you, I just say something cold, just, and and they bring you whatever you want. Yeah, and,
0: yeah dead right. Before I let you go, how much time do you have left here?
1: Um, so uh, it, uh, we're on a little bit of catch up here because we've had a, a, maybe another extra day or two off. But I'd say they're probably going to give us tw- about 12 days on this fire because we do need to get back to Boise to tie in with, um, with the other crews for mm-hmm. a, a, the um, after action review before we, we all fly out.
0: Okay. How many uh, team members are you taking back with you?
1: So there's 41 New Zealanders and about 130 Australians. Wow,
0: that's a huge contingent.
1: Oh, it is. And so for the two guys, we and um, Barry that have been looking after us, um, I said to Barry the other day, this is like herding firefighters, isn't it? (laughs) And he said, yes, it is. (laughs) But that's a good thing. No, it is. That, hey, it's a good thing. Hey, um, Sean, one thing that I've really taken out of this tour is just how um, thankful, um, down-to-earth, um, helpful and delightful all the Americans that we've come across have been. Um, for us, it's a real eye-opener to um, drive out in the morning and see um, ladies and their kids standing on an overbridge above the motorway, waving flags, saying thank you um, as you go out, and then coming back in the afternoon, um, seeing people giving away free food, standing there waving all the flags and signs saying thank you firefighters. It's been um, humbling and I guess sometimes embarrassing and by that I mean um, we've struggled to pay for a meal or a a drink in America and um, that's something we're not used to and uh, you know we're very grateful to be here and you know we'd like to thank America for inviting us here but just the American public have made us feel so valued. And that's it, been an incredibly humbling experience. Well, you are.
0: You are extremely valued. And we value, I know uh, with the state of California, we value our relationship with New Zealand and Australia. Uh, it's a partnership that is a two-way street.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. You know, we had um, urban search and rescue crews from America and Christchurch after the devastating e- earthquake there, and then the, the Kaikoura earthquake that you were referring to before, I don't know if you know, but there were some um, American warships in w- Wellington at the time for a, an exercise, and as soon as the um, Kaikoura earthquake was known, they upped anchor and sailed to Kaikoura, and they were some of the first people in there helping out, they had helicopters with them, and so, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a Kiwi thing to do, it's an American thing to do, you help each other out. Absolutely.
0: Well again, we appreciate you and your team being here um, and we will reciprocate the moment you know the the request is put in. we will be there and uh, Chief Craig Cottrell from New Zealand, Wellington. Uh, we appreciate you and all of your team being here and everything you've done so far and everything that you'll be doing for the next couple of weeks before you back, head back home down under.
1: Oh, look it's my pleasure and I've enjoyed every minute of it.
0: All right sounds good. thanks Cheers. a lot. Cheers. So I want to extend my sincere thank you to Craig Cottrell for spending some of his invaluable time with me here for this little podcast we call All Hazards. Thoroughly enjoyed meeting him and some of his teammates as well. Be sure to go to oesnews.com where you can find this episode and others along with the photos and videos we take to go along with them. And don't forget to subscribe to All Hazards there at the iTunes Store and Google Play, of course. If you have any questions or comments about this or any episode, or if you have any ideas, send them my way to questions at caloes.ca.gov. That's questions at caloes.ca.gov. Thanks again for listening. For everyone here at Cal OES, I'm Sean Boyd. Take care and be safe.
1: You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.